Well, hello, pod people. This is Rick. And Rebecca. Welcome to a little R&R. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, we're going to launch a series today on worship. How's that sound? I am super pumped about yeah, it. Yeah, me too. We've been doing this in chapel. Yes. And since y'all can't get to chapel because you're not in the program, yep. we thought it might be nice to share that stuff with you guys. So hopefully yeah. that's okay with you. Uh, wonderful pod people. We're going to do a two-ish to three-ish part series on worship and uh, talk about some stuff that we've learned and hopefully it's beneficial to you as well. And it might be a little offensive. Yeah, there's some challenging stuff in here. Uh, yeah, there's some things that we've actually kind of bumped into that mm. have been... Uh, yeah, my heart's uh, been hit a few times. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, which is which is good. Yes. So let's start off with just a simple definition. Yes. A lot of times in today's church culture, when we think about worship, we have narrowly viewed it as the music, jams, right? Yeah. In church. Yes. So it's some songs and some instruments and that's worship, which is part of it, right? Yes, it is. Okay. But not all of what worship is no. from a biblical standpoint. Not even close. Okay. So if you were to answer the question, what is worship? How would you answer that? Giving attention to what I adore. Ah, that's giving attention to what you adore. Yes. So why'd you pick attention and adore? Because uh, I'm thinking of the various forms of worship that I've had, which are some godly and some ungodly. I know my addiction was worship. Sure. It was attention, attention. I gave to something that I adored. Okay. And it was so bad for me. Yeah. So you're saying that... There's a context outside of even worshiping God. Yes. Worship is just something that we naturally do. Yes, it is geared into our DNA. To adore something and give attention to something. Yes. And personally, side note, I also think giving is geared in us. And so we get all weird about when churches ask for money or when there's talk about money in ministry. But in reality, we always have given to what we find important. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We'll find a way to give attention, focus, money, resources, time to something that we really want. That's that's good. So we're already saying is that worship is not just music in a church service. No, It's broadened beyond that. (laughs) It's so broadened. And even we can worship things that are not God or God. Exactly. So everyone's worshiping just who or what. here's Here's a quote that I think might help us kind of put some language to this. Bring it on. Wealth. Wow. Ralph (laughs) Waldo Emerson. A person will worship something. Have no doubt about that. We may think our tribute is paid in secret in the dark recesses of our hearts, but it will come out. That which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our lives and our character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful what we worship for what we are worshiping, we are becoming. So his point is we're we're wired to, yes. we're geared to worship something, but be careful what we worship because what we worship, we become like. I love how you just brought a quote that ties in the character transformation model of thoughts to words. So talk with that a little bit. The whole like, you know, whatever we're giving our attention to, whether it's good or bad, is going to so affect our thinking, which yeah. affects our words, which affects our actions, and on to habits. What's the next one? Character yeah, and destiny. Sure. Okay, so let's 
dig into this just a little bit okay. more. If we're talking about we're going to become like what we worship, Ugh. if we're worshiping ourselves or a substance or money or the world structures, we're going to end up looking like those things. Yes. Affected by those things. Yes. Okay. Yep. That is so real. Do you have a story about that? Oh, I probably do. I think... Um, you have a lot of stories. I have so many stories. I'm trying to think of like... I, I think so often for me it was relationships that like in... Oh, yeah. So often those times, even... Uh, even those times that we don't want to be like someone, we're focusing on the negative. You focus on the negative of not wanting to be like someone. And it's so weird how actually that judgment comes back and you become more like that person and you become blind to it. It's freaky because it's this morphed form of worship that you actually become the thing that you're thinking the most about, even though you're trying not Not to to be like that person. Yep. So I, what I hear you saying Oof. is it really matters who we worship because yes. it'll end up, our hearts will end up following that. We will become that person yep. or be affected by that thing for positive or negative. Yep. So worship is attention directed to, towards something we adore. Yes. We're all wired to worship. Uh, so then let's talk about in the context of worshiping God, some things that are, that are part of that. And one of the things we talked about in chapel is that worship magnifies God. Yes. And I love to let you talk about this magnifying thing because you explained that so well. Like, how does how does worship magnify God? Oh, I love that idea of the magnifying glass because anytime you put anything underneath a magnifying glass, the actual thing does not become bigger. It just yeah. takes up more of your field of vision. So good. And so God does not need to be made any bigger than he is because he's already right. creator king of everything. Right. I mean, you don't get much bigger. Yep. He doesn't need to be made bigger, but he does need to take up more of my field of vision because I tend to magnify my problem. I tend to take a problem, magnify it so it's taking up all my field of vision and I can't see anything else. Well, if I can't see anything right. else, there's no solution, possibility or hope. Because you can't see it. Come on. So, yeah, we all do that, right? We get yep. a problem. And not to minimize the problem. No, problems are problems, they're problems and they're real. For sure. They just become magnified in our in our eyes, our thoughts, yes. our mind, or our heart so that they become all-encompassing. Yes. And that's all we can see. And so what you're saying is magnifying God is not making many bigger. It's just making it bigger in our range of vision. Come in our on. Sight, which is huge. So how... How do you do that? Like if there's a problem that comes up or a situation or a crisis that you need to deal with, it's a legit thing. Yes. But how do you avoid it becoming the only thing that you can see and and like stuck in your thoughts? Like how do you do that? For me right now, for me right now, I would say it is reminding myself of all the things he's already brought me out of. Okay. Is that instead Faith. of looking at that one situation that I'm facing, remind myself of all the other things that I've been brought out of because I could not possibly see that I'd be where I at right. where I'm at before those things got addressed. How about with you? Yeah, I think I tend to get on a track in my head. Yep. That I can't forget the situation or the struggle. And so it helps me to keep or redirect my thoughts to how awesome, powerful God is. Okay. 
so I can still think about the thing, but not get overwhelmed by the thing. Yes. So it's kind of a perspective thing for me. Uh, and this verse from Psalms goes along really well with this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let me let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name yes. together. So for me, it's like I need to think about the thing, but not have the thing be foremost in my mind. Yes. If I keep my eye on Jesus and my faith in Jesus, then it helps. Now, I'm not saying that's easy. No. Because I tend to be an obsessor about things and I'm a verbal processor. So I have to talk through it, but I have to not let myself be stuck in the talking through part. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes the talking through actually magnifies the problem. Oh, that's exactly what yeah. it does for me. Yeah. And so it's therapeutic for me to talk it through It's to some point. And then it, yeah. But it can become defeating and overwhelming if I keep talking about it without resolving it with Jesus. So can I just side note here for just a second? I guess. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like there's a choice. Okay. <laughs> um, that uh, in the program I'm working right now for 12 steps, we have this line that says we abstain from negative thinking. And in a talk with my sponsor this morning, she said, it doesn't mean that we then jump to positive thinking. Huh? We just abstain from negative thinking. And there's something about that that really hit me that I, with Christ, um, in that verse in Philippians where it says, whatever's true, lovely, good report, excellent, mm -hmm. and praiseworthy, think on these things. It gives a whole lot of other words about what you can think about. But it starts with what's true. And I think that this whole idea of magnifying the Lord isn't about us going Pollyanna and jumping to... Sure. Everything throws us, you know, but yeah. like, yeah. but at least at minimum abstain from negative thinking that I get the magnifier off the negative. And so that's kind of what I hear you saying good. in that your verbal processing that gets you up to a certain point, but then it starts to magnify the problem. Oh, heavens. We just yes. get the magnifier off the negative. Yep. Yeah, I find it, it becomes, the, the more I do it, the more entrenched it becomes. Come on. So yeah, I got to do it for a while until it gets out of my heart. That's so real. But then not keep doing it doesn't help any. So the idea of magnifying is, God, this is a problem, legit, yep. big in my yep. life, but not as big as you are. Yep. Yes. Second thing we talked about is worship reminds us we're not in control. Oh, right. This is where it gets oh, offensive. Man. I feel like the more you know, star should go. Right. <laughs> that would be, we should, if they could just see the star. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This one hit me pretty hard. So I'm a control freak, recovering oh, control freak. Same. And I used to think or try to control everything in my life, people, situations, because. I was not, I was out of control. So I tried to control everything. Yeah. And I wanted it to go my way because I was so wounded inside. And so what's been really helpful for me as we've talked about worship the last couple of months is to recognize that what worship does is continually remind me that it's not about me and I'm not in control. That I don't, I tend to forget that without worship. And I'm thinking in this sense, worship specifically of music for me, like we're going to talk about different kinds of worship, but right. specifically for me, the control piece is broken down through singing, through hearing worship music. As it focuses on who God is, his power and his greatness. It reminds me 
that I'm not in control. Oof. Right? So another offensive quote, Eugene Peterson, worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. So going back to my earlier point about as I verbally process, I get stuck in that Mm. and it becomes self-defeating as opposed to I'm going to interrupt my focus on myself by focusing on God instead. Yes. That's a really powerful aspect of worship is it just gets it off ourselves. Again, the magnifying piece, but it also breaks down control. Okay. So I want to mess with you just for a little bit because my problem is that I am such a control freak that I will turn worship into a form of control. And so I want to throw that out for anyone who's had this experience before that I used to also use worship as a way to try and control God. So if I worship a certain way or a certain song or just do it. Can't he see how full on invested I am in my worship of him? Him. And so as much as I'm hearing you, I have had to be consciously aware of what you're saying instead of just go into a worship setting. That's I good. have to be consciously aware that this is not my will, but Lord, whatever your will is. I'm sure none of our podcasters have done that. That's just you, right? That's just Rebecca <laughs> just, is confessing just her me, sin today. Just me. No, that's really good. Okay, so, so oh, maybe a way to approach that in a healthy manner is I'm going to worship you no matter what the no outcome is, No right? matter what. I'm not yes. doing this to get you, to manipulate yes, you, to control you, to on. whatever. I'm actually just going to do no it anyway because you're worth it. That's yep. a that's a good point. I wonder if I ever did that in my control. I'm sure I did. I can't think of an example, but I, as, as deep into control as I was, I probably did that. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's worshiping God no matter what the outcome is. No matter what. And trusting that as I worship him and focus on him, he'll take care of the other parts. Yep. 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 The next thing we talked about is worshiping God keeps us from idols. And this is a lesson we learned from the old Testament for sure. Right. So there's this pattern of God would, would show them all kinds of good stuff, you know, meet their needs. They would start to wipe wine and complain because they didn't have what they wanted. Right. They would turn to idols and fall into sin. He would bring them back they would start to whine and complain. They would fall into sin. He'd bring yep. them back. But that's basically the whole Old Testament, right? That and and really probably us today. Yes, it is. And so there's this point we talked about that worship keeps us from idols. So what would you add to that? How how do you think in your own life, like worshiping God keeps you from idolatry to food or to relationships or to yourself or to why you gotta come at my life like right? that, Rick? <laughs> Just put you on the spot today. Um, I think it's I think. Uh, worship when it's the authentic deal, when it's not me trying to manipulate or control God, it actually makes me be aware, more aware of what the idols were that I settled for Hmm. and how they really failed me ultimately. Um, So I think it. um, Interesting. I think I become more aware in authentic worship of what cheap substitute I really how, settled how? for how does how does it make that clear for you because i'm reminded of god's goodness and faithfulness and the lack of faithfulness of the other things oh there's and goodness. so yeah there's okay. so little goodness or so faithfulness clarifies. well there's faithfulness in addiction it's just all Bad the wrong yeah faithfulness yeah <laughs> so it clarifies a lot of things yes that's really good how about you oh man 
So I've noticed in my own life that when I don't, let me rephrase that. I've noticed when I start to feel a little less connected to God, one of two things have happened. My worship life through music Hmm. or my prayer life are not in sync. Because both of those to me are out, are, um, are focused on the authority and sovereignty of God in my life. Not that scripture isn't, right. but for some reason, for, prayer and worship for, for me yeah. are more like I'm giving up control, I'm yeah. surrendering. So if I'm not doing those two things, I'm probably trying to be in control of something, <gasps> oh. you know, or, and, or there's something I don't want to let go of because prayer and worship to me are letting go of something. And if I feel like my heart's a little bit annoyed or irritated yes. or cold, I'm likely not to go to prayer or worship because... I know You're I holding have to on do those to things, something. Right? Yeah. So those are things I look for in my own life of, hmm, something's up right now. What is what is holding me back from that? Because there might be something I don't want to let go of right now or that I'm not willing to open up about. Ooh. Those are those are so a lack of worship, lack of prayer is a warning sign of my own life. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Here's a a verse that we looked at from Romans 123. For only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the fading image of idols, humans, etc. Like only a fool, Paul writes, would trade the splendor of God for like cheaper stuff. Yep. And it shows how we, but we so easily do that. Yes, we do. <sighs> a couple quotes to close with today that are, that are rather intense, uh, both from Tim Keller, of course. Of course. He's just, yeah. He really messes with me. An yep. idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you only what God can give you. Right? It, I love his phrasing, absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. So, again, one of the ways to tell what an idol is, is where's your heart? Like, what's it focused on? What's it going after? What gets its primary attention? That's just a really, really challenging quote. Yeah, it is. And one more. A counterfeit God is anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would be, would feel hardly worth living. So is there someone or a relationship or a job in the past or a possession or money in the past or, a that, or present yeah. or that if we would have lost it, we would have felt like life wasn't worth living? That's an indication of an idol. Wow. Because clearly that thing has preeminence in our life over God because we can't imagine being without it. Right. Where if God's the focus, not that losing something would be easy, but at least it's not going to destroy us. Right. That's that's the the lesson he teaches us here about what an idol does in us. Yep. It really it moves our affections and our attention to something outside of God. Yep. Wow. Whew. Yeah. Those are offensive. Just, yeah, like my first thought was like, what do you turn to for comfort? Yeah. I mean, that's like for me, I, whatever that is, that all my addictions are born out of a false comfort that I'm getting from whatever that thing for sure. is. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. No. Even if it's not lasting. Right. We're, we're looking for it and it's finding It's a cheap substitute something. temporary solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe a good wow. uh, sort of takeaway from today and even a good thing to think about post podcast is what are you worshiping or yep. who 
And the way to tell that is where your affections primarily focused. Or you can't. Or you can't imagine being without, without right? Without it, yeah. And then, and then along with that, thinking about the fact that as we do turn our worship to God, even though our problems don't go away, it doesn't like take away the life we live, right? But it does keep our focus on what really matters, yep. And it magnifies Him, and so that I think there's a, a couple good takeaways today. Is is there something, someone that's getting unhealthy affection, attention, focus, preeminence yep. in your life, and how would shifting that attention to God Specifically, in this case, through music, through worship, uh, how would that shift your attention to him and magnify him as opposed to the person or problem in your life? Come on. That would probably be a good takeaway. Yeah, next time we're going to talk about worship as a weapon and uh, some examples of how scripture defines worship. So it should be a good good podcast. Pod listeners, we have an awesome day. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. In the meantime, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and grant you much, much peace. We'll talk to you soon, y'all. See ya.